Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Melius, and I'm so glad that you're here. And before we get into the show, I want you to visit jennifermelius.com forward slash start to get free resources focused on helping you get your book and message out into the world. Choose what resonates and take steps towards being seen and heard, showing up at the table, owning your space, and sharing your book and message. And now let me introduce to you Sony Singh. Sony Singh is a doctor of divinity, a cross-cultural seeker of the deep knowing. She's an award-winning and best-selling author of poetry and stories of self-discovery to encourage people to accept themselves for who they are and live life on their own terms. Her writing centers on the definitive moments of life's journey. The mystical and spiritual are integral in her poems and storytelling, as is her multicultural background. Let's dive into the pond and meet Sony. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Sony Singh. Sony, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here. I've been following your show for a while, so I'm excited to be a part of it. Thank you so much. That really means a lot to me. I'm so <laughs> glad you are here. And I would love for you to start with how did you get into writing? Because apparently that is one of my favorite questions to ask. <laughs> Well, I could say that I was writing or have been writing my whole life. Uh, it's just I didn't dedicate myself to writing until after I turned 40. Uh, and that was mostly because I didn't feel that that was a profession that I could follow uh, when I was younger, when I was a child, even though, you know, if you would ask me when I was seven or eight years old, uh, you know, the magic of writing and reading to me were something that really fueled uh, a lot of my emotional life, uh, a lot of my enthusiasm and passion for things, but it just didn't seem like that was going to be an option. And I went through uh, a whole career uh, in hospitality and in other things and eventually realized that writing just kept on calling to me. And I've always written like short stories and things like that, that I wouldn't necessarily show anybody. And then, yeah, it, there was something around turning 40 that just said, you know, if I don't give myself a chance to do what I've always wanted to do, then uh, what is my life going to be like? <laughs> so yeah, writing was kind of a, a, a lifelong dream that I finally allowed myself to fulfill. And what happened after you hit 40 then? And you started to follow <laughs> that dream. So I started writing my first novel, and that was also a story that I think I'd been brewing for quite a long time. And when I first set out to do it, I wanted to see if I had it in me to actually finish a novel. I didn't I didn't know. Uh, you know, one thing is to write short stories and they're a few pages long or, you know, a few thousand pages, I mean, thousand words long. But another thing is, you know, 80,000 words uh, or 90,000 words. That's a whole other endeavor. And so that's what I did. I started writing the, the first novel, Lonely Dove, and it went through so many iterations. I mean, it was such a learning process because even though this is something that I wanted to do, I mean, I wasn't an English major or I didn't really take any writing courses. And so that was also something else that I started to do was take writing courses and hire coaches and editors and all of that. And I think the book probably went through 12 drafts before it's the light of day. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so yes, it came out last year. But to your point, you know, 
what you you've hit on is that there's a sense of perseverance with that. And, and to your point, it can feel daunting to say, okay, I want to write this book, whether it's 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, whatever it is, you understand conceptually, that's a lot of writing. That's a lot of thought to construct a story or construct characters, or if it's nonfiction, it's constructing a message and a, a transformation essentially for your reader. But fiction does that too, by giving you the escape and the characters going through changes. But, you know, so to your point about the perseverance and to keep showing up, learning, staying with the drafts. So even though you wrote a draft, you said possibly 12 iterations, how did you keep your motivation going when you've done this first draft and then you realize there's more? Or maybe after the sixth draft, you were like, another one? <laughs> or, the, or the seventh draft, you're like, really, another one? So would you talk through that a bit? I think it was just a, a, a bigger desire to know that this is a story that I wanted to get out. Somebody had told me early on that you really must like the story that you're writing because you're probably going to live in it for a very long time. And I did. I really, I really felt connected to the story. I think because it'd been brewing me for so long that I thought if I don't give myself the opportunity to get the story out there, even, you know, even if I don't sell, like I don't, at that point, I was really concerned about it. It was just, I need to get the story out. And even if only one person reads it, then I fulfilled my purpose with it. Uh, but it was something that was just deep inside that kept on telling me I need to continue working on the story. I also really wanted to know, is this something that I could do long-term? And if I didn't do it right with this first novel, then I don't think I would have been able to, to make that decision to do it long-term because now, now I'm a full-time writer. And so it was, it was almost something that I also needed to prove to myself that I had it in me to do this, that I had it in me to do this for, for the long run. And since I said, you know, I wanted to be a writer since I was a child and just didn't give myself the chance to do it, there was this whole entire impetus of, no, I must really do this. Otherwise I'm doing the wrong thing. Uh, and so... I, I persevered. I wanted to make sure that I got the best story out there that I could write. Uh, and that's what kept on motivating me to continue. So how did you know when you needed to enlist more help versus saying, no, it's really ready now. I, I've really done everything I could. I really am good with this versus saying, I think I need to work with another editor, or I think I need to work with a coach like you were saying you did. How did you discern when you needed to enlist somebody else's help and when you said, I don't need to do that right now. I'm ready to really take that, you know, move past the writing process and maybe the help is the formatting or the cover design, but not the help of writing. How did you know? There were there were a couple of things. Uh, one, just being an avid reader myself, I knew that there was still work that I could do to improve the story. I just sometimes didn't know how, because even though you might read somebody else's book when it's your own, it's harder to have that judgment of, yes, this is good, or that is not. Or even if you know, for instance, I was struggling with dialogue, how do I improve the dialogue? Well, I don't always have the answer. And so if I knew that there was something that could be improved, but I didn't have the answer, then I, I would seek help. 
But I also had a lot of people uh, as beta readers throughout the process. Uh, and that to me was also instrumental because it's one thing for you to judge your own writing. It's another thing for somebody else to do it. <laughs> and sometimes we get really attached to our own words, <laughs> but somebody else doesn't have that attachment. And so that was also very beneficial because people would come back and say, no, you're, and I should clarify, I tend to overwrite. I write too much and then eventually I have to cut down. Uh, and so sometimes the, the feedback that would come back was I lost track through all of these sections, or I feel that this is what you're trying to say, but it's not clear. And so then I knew that I needed more, more work into, into the manuscript. I never really did feel that it was ready. <laughs> Okay. The sense that I think there was a lot of insecurity, just, you know, being the first novel that I was putting out there. Uh, and so that last portion to say, okay, we're finally done came mostly from my editor to say, Sony, you, you just, it's time. <laughs> so did you, when you heard that feedback, it's time, it's okay to move with the next step. How did you come to that for yourself to say, okay, I, I might be nervous is I might be saying, I still questioning, or I'm, is it really, I hear you. I trust you. I did pay you. Yes. And I, I realized you were, you're guiding me. You wouldn't let me fail, but I'm the one making this step. Right. How did you work through that? I think it was just me really connecting within listening to my intuition, uh, listening to my own inner guidance to say, you know, yes, I am a recovering perfectionist, so I could make it even better. But at the same time, you know, if if I have that approach, I will be working on it for the rest of my life. Like there's always something that you can improve. <laughs> and sometimes your, your perspective changes just because you've got more life experience. And so, of course, as the years go on, I would have probably looked back at the novel and thought I can revise this or I can change this or as you go through the the writing process, you just learn. You you learn as you as you write. The more you write, the more you learn. And so I could go back and revise, but it, it got to a point where inside I felt at peace with it. It's it's my first novel. It was something that I needed to to put out there. And sure, even now, if I were to look at it and read it, I'm pretty sure I'd turn around and say, oh, I could edit this or change this or change that. But I just needed to honor that that's where I was at that time. Uh, and so it was really my, my my sort of inner guidance that just said, you're done. <laughs> so I love that because I very much believe that, you know, that, that little voice inside you is there to guide you to your highest and best self, to protect you, to redirect you when you need it. And just, and sometimes remind you, Hey, there might be stuff going on outside, but there's a when there's a piece inside, it's like, yep, I, I've got this. I can do this. So I, I really love that you mentioned your that little inner guidance because you're right. As a writer, there's a lot of other things that you're processing too. It's not just what's on your page. It's also how do I know when to go to the next step? How do I discern with the feedback that I'm getting, even when I'm getting beta reader feedback and editor feedback, I don't have to necessarily take on all of it. So mm -hmm. how do I discern? You're going back to that inner voice and you know, discerning your covers, discerning the path that you want to take. Even the story, I believe the story comes to you, but you still have to, I still think you go within to hear that little voice that says that little character might pop up and go, hi, 
I'm your new character. Do you want to chat so we can talk about what I'd like to do and where I'd like to go? Or maybe there's a message in you that says, I need this message to get out and mm -hmm. trusting yourself that you really are the right person to be that conduit, to be that messenger. Can you can you talk a bit about that? Because I know you have a background in divinity. So would I you do. talk <laughs> a little bit about that, helping somebody who might be anxious about trusting that inner voice? And especially to your point about a recovering perfectionist and they want to polish the stone and polish the stone and wait, there's a little, maybe a little bit of spit in this one spot. We really get that out. What would you say to that person? You know, the, the thing is, and, and I will explain this and then answer your question, writing and spirituality to me have been tied together. I did, and I, I still do write morning pages. Uh, and that's sort of what awakened my exploration of creativity and ideas. And so what you know, when you when you do morning pages, for those who are not familiar, you're just sitting down and writing stream of consciousness without judging. And there's a lot of information that comes out through that process. Things that you develop, like you start developing your own insight as in you start connecting within yourself and seeing, oh, there's a deeper message just in honoring all of the things that happen in your head or in your soul or in your mind or, uh, and honoring the connection that you have with that was integral for me to really tie spirituality, intuition with writing. So the two come sort of hand in hand. I explore a lot of my own thought process in writing, even in fiction. And so there, there comes a point when you start realizing that the more you write, the more you connect within, uh, the more you're able to discern, you know, that inner voice, the one that tells you, yes, this is good. No, this is not good enough. I can fix this. I need to go out for support to fix this. And so there's, for me, at least, there's two processes in writing. One is that meditative sort of writing versus the creative writing. And I got a lot of clarity through that meditative process. So through morning pages, or sometimes even when I have a hard time trying to figure out how to fix a story, I just write. And I write knowing that it's not necessarily going to go into the manuscript, but it's just for me to help sort out what's happening uh, to connect to that voice within, that's how I found a way to do it. So I would say for somebody who is struggling with that, it doesn't necessarily have to be writing, although, you know, if naturally you're a writer, it might be the best way to connect, to just sort of stream of consciousness, write until you get to the answer and to not judge, not, not you know, not think too much before putting it out on paper, because that's where you get the golden nuggets sometimes. I mean, you do get a lot of gibberish, but you <laughs> <laughs> so I end up getting quite a lot of insight into what what you're feeling within and what you're connecting and what your inner guidance is telling you, but also just do quiet things that help you connect to yourself. So go for a walk, do meditation, do yoga, do Tai Chi, you know, sit with your crystals, anything that you have that is an internal process will help you connect with that inner voice to, to guide you and, and to let you know whether you're on the right track or, or, or where you should be or to let you know, okay, you know, I'm done. Uh, I cannot polish this anymore. <laughs> this is it. This is where it, where, where it needs to be. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it was a lot of writing, but it could be anything for somebody else. Now, would you say that that inner voice is peaceful and quiet and very chill? Like, hey, this is what we're doing? Or is it more of a, hey, you know what? 
we need to do this. We need to do this. So what kind of voice should the author listen to? Since they're usually writing voices for their characters, what, should, what, what kind of voice is that inner voice really to them? Because I believe there's probably some consistency there for the inner voice. Uh, yes, I would say it's the calmer voice. The, the one that is wise, that sort of makes you sound like yourself, but not yourself. Uh, you know, you know, and I interesting question in the sense that I remember the first time I identified that inner voice, which happened early on in my writing process, that it did sound like me, but it wasn't me. It just sounded like a wise version. <laughs> like, wow, this person seems to know what they're talking about. And I realized, wait, wait, that's me. <laughs> And so, yeah, it would be the calmer, more peaceful, uh, almost as if you were listening to a, an older version of yourself, somebody who's been there and done that. That's the voice that you should listen to. If, if it's too angry, anxious, worried, enthusiastic, it probably is not your inner voice. I love that you said that because I think that as a writer, when you are working on your piece, or maybe you've published your book, and now you're discerning what opportunities do you pursue to get more visible? You know, you'll see a lot of different paths, you'll see a lot of different opportunities present themselves. And you'll go, Oh, well, that looks like a neat one. Oh, well, maybe I should go that way. Uh, well, I don't know, that one looks really similar too. And it can start to feel a little muddy, or it mm -hmm. can almost feel like okay, I was hoping for two clear choices, not 10 choices to figure out. So going back and, and really connecting with your inner voice and understanding when that voice is speaking to you is going to help you tune in to, hey, out of these 10 opportunities that presented themselves, seven and nine actually seem like possibilities. But the first three, although they came first, they might not have been the right ones. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like that inner voice is important, not just with the writing, but throughout the whole journey of being Absolutely. a writer and running your business and so forth. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the, the thing with that is that just because something works for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for you or that it's right for you. Uh, and that's one of the things that you really sort of learn through the process. And sometimes you learn by trial and error. Sometimes you try it and you realize, oh, this wasn't right for me. Other times it's also like one of the things that I uh, tend to do a lot is if an opportunity gets presented to me and I connect not just with my inner voice, but also my emotions, if it comes from a place of calm, peacefulness, I know that that is the right decision. If I start recognizing that I'm acting on it because I'm fearful, because I'm desperate, because there's an anxiety happening and I think like, oh, I really need to do this and I need to, you know, post a million videos or I need to post videos of myself. And it, it, it comes from a, a, a place of fear, the decision-making, then, then I realize that that's not the right thing for me. And a lot of times, you know, you get other writers advice, you get your own, your publishers, your editors, friends, family, giving you advice. I, I usually sit with the emotion for a while and think, you know, consider, think, kind of see how it sits in my body. 
And if I realize that it's kind of making me feel anxious, I realize, nope, that's not the right thing for me. And if it makes me feel sort of grounded, calm and peaceful, then that's something that I move forward with. I love that. So when you you have book one out, you've realized you can do this. You, you've, you've proven to yourself that you can do this. Talk to me about how the subsequent pieces came to be and what that felt like. It was very contrasting in a way because book two, the novel, Can You Be, that came out actually in, in August, <laughs> that one I started writing in November a year ago. And so whereas <laughs> Lonely Dove took me five years, Can You Be took me less than a year. And by then, and I had already honed in on my inner voice, my guidance to say, this is a story that I wanted to write. And so for instance, Can You Be is very much an underdog story in a, in, a, in a way. And for some reason, which I cannot necessarily tell you the reason, but I really wanted to share that story. And I kept on thinking like, how am I going to, what's the best avenue to share this? And it just came to me because I connected with the story before I even started, uh, connected with the purpose of the story before I started writing it. Whereas Lonely Dove, which was my first novel, was very much about me proving something to myself. So I think I struggled a lot more with it than I did the second one. By then, I I, I think I had already accepted, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And so the, the insight that I had for it came a lot more easily. I was more discerning <laughs> for the second novel than for the first one. And you've also written poetry. So how yeah. does that kind of fit in with the writings that you've done because what I hear you describing and what you said earlier is that how writing is it, it, it's it's very spiritual and and I I would agree with you there so I I'm curious how does the poetry fit in to in, into this picture of not just the the practice but also it's a it's a form of within your business so it's multiple uh, avenues if you will you books and poems and such so talk to me about how they were kind of coming up well, poetry was something that I never thought I would write, you know, whereas I set out and wanted to write stories and novels and fiction. I did not think I had it in me. I've always been an avid reader of poetry and I've loved it, but I didn't think I had it in me to be a poet. And it came through when the lockdowns with COVID started. Uh, I was living alone at the time. And I really, during that time, relied on that morning pages and the meditative writing and I reflected a lot on myself where I was in life at that time it it really was an introspective time I would say and I realized that as I was writing a lot of the 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 words I was using or the phrases were sort of lyrical in a way and then I did this experiment to try to take them out into sort of instead of you know paragraph I would start writing them out into like stanzas mm -hmm. and that's when I discovered oh my god I'm writing poetry <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it so it was honoring that creative process that was coming um in a way you can say naturally but in a way it was in honoring that inner voice and so for me the poetry is very personal the fiction is my ability to 
you know, come up with all different characters, explore new people, see who's coming through, you know, these, these people who show up and say, oh, write about me and call me this and give me this personality. Whereas the poetry is me exploring myself uh, and honoring that exploration. I did start sharing poetry before I even started sharing any fiction because at the time that I started writing it I realized that I could connect with it and have other people connect with it on social media which was very a very interesting discovery because at first I thought like oh, I'm just going to share some poems and some thoughts and just see what happens and a lot of the feedback that I got was I feel like you're writing about my life that's what people would tell me and I'm thinking no no I'm writing about my life not your life <laughs> <laughs> but I, I recognize that that was a way for people to connect with with me and my writing in a way that very oddly felt personal to them. Uh, because I, I think, I mean, beauty in, in, in reading any kind of writing is that you as a reader connect with it and associate your own life experiences. Uh, and, you know, that's 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 part of what reading and writing is all about. You as a writer write your story, but how it gets interpreted is in the hands of the reader. And poetry to me was one of the ways that I discovered that, but also that enabled me to connect more with people at an, at an emotional level. And so it, it's really fascinating that I get a lot of feedback from those who read my poetry, who say that they connect with what I'm saying in a way that relates to their lives. And I think because there are also sort of short snippets, it's easier for people to read, you know, even if you're going scrolling through social media or I post a lot of poetry on Medium and on my website. And so it, it's just a flash that people don't have to necessarily engage for a long period of time. It's a short thing that they can connect with. But it also, to your point, shows another aspect of you where if they've met you through the, the poetry and it resonates, then there's a likelihood that the characters you've created in fiction, albeit I, I get fiction, but fiction has a beautiful way of helping you see yourself also. It, it, it can take you on a journey. It can help you have introspection, just like if you're reading memoir or, or any other kind of piece, but it, it can do the same type of thing. So I think it's neat how the two different, although genres are happening, and to, I mean, the readers may be different, but in the same breath, there's a lot of commonality there where they could easily blend over and kind of say, well, you've written this. I'd be interested in reading, you know, whatever the other is that I haven't read and vice versa. So I think that's really cool that you've done that. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting also that, yes, even though fiction, you're quote unquote, making it up, it's still you. It's still a part of you. It's still your perspective. It's still how you're viewing that character. I do put a lot of me in the writing, whether it's places that have been conversations that I've had, not in those same contexts, not with those same people, but it's still me coming in through my writing. So one of the questions that I get asked a lot is, are my novels my own life story? And they're not. <laughs> but if somebody knows me well and they read the books, they feel like, oh, I feel like I'm reading a part of who you are. And I think that's just part of writing I mean when when we're putting any kind of creation on the page you are putting a part of who you are on that page and so it's it's you know you, you can't run away from it <laughs> it's still you yeah but there's also that vulnerability when you're really pushing your writing too you are feeling vulnerable with what you have in some ways what you've written so or, or what you've created and speaking of creations 
you shared with me something super cool that you're doing that is just, to me, it's an expansion of creativity and it's an expansion of really that inner voice and, and honoring that and and creating you know, opportunity that could be, you know, like a companion in some ways to books. So would you share with me what those are? <laughs> yes, so I am working on uh, Oracle Deck. I still haven't come up with a name for it. Uh, for a while, I was calling it Daily Reflections because the purpose and, you know, one of the things that I have connected a lot with in terms of writing and this whole journey of finding your inner voice is trusting in your soul. It's, in fact, sort of the, the logo that I use, it's just trust in your soul, because that has been the writing journey for me. And the the integral part of that is connecting to my intuition. And so the deck, the purpose of the deck, um, which will have 77 cards, is to allow people to connect more with their inner guidance. Uh, and so it has a message, a drawing that is connected to that message, uh, whether overtly or just spiritually in a way. And then there's a question so that people can reflect on it and either write it out or just meditate or just think it and, and sit with it. And so what has been really beautiful about that is that it started a little bit with poetry, a little bit with what is it that I want people to be able to do in order to connect with their with their inner guidance. Uh, and I partnered with a with an artist who is based in Australia, and she has been doing the drawings for for each. So they're they're mostly animals, nature, even if there is some sort of other kind of household object, it's always a plant or a flower. And there is a connection between the message in the card and the actual drawing. And so, yeah, it's 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 been a, a, a very interesting journey that I've been on with that deck. Uh, and also such an interesting collaboration, because as a writer, you tend to do everything on your own until you start working with an editor. But really, when you're there, it's just you. And so to collaborate with somebody and have them also give feedback and insight to what the message on the card should be. It's been beautiful. So I've, I've written all the words, but then Jess Fowler, who's the artist, she sometimes comes back and says, well, you know, if, if your message is to get grounded, she thinks of a tree rooting down into the soil and doing things like that. And so we sort of go back and forth. And so it's it's been such an interesting process and such a uh, unique way that I never thought again I would do to explore creativity because it's also creativity with her. <laughs> I love that. Sony, this has been awesome. Where can people connect with you? Where can they get your books? Where can they be a part of your world so that when these that when this deck makes her way into the world, they can be some of the first to know? <laughs> uh, well, I am pretty active on Instagram. Uh, my handle is Sony Singh Author. I also post everything on my website and that's SonySing.com. But yeah, usually one or the other is where you will find out. I mean, I do have a Facebook account, which is normally linked through Instagram. Instagram is where I'm more active. Uh, so that's that's what I would say. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you so very much, Sony, for taking the time to chat with me. This has been fabulous. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you for having me.
Thanks again for listening today. I'm so glad you were here. I'd love to hear what resonated with you from this episode. So connect with me on Instagram at author Jennifer Milius and let me know. Your book, your message, your body of work is worth sharing. And you are the right person and the only one who can share it. Keep writing and keep putting yourself out there because the people who need to hear your message the most are waiting for you. They are waiting for you to step up to your next level of genius so they can have the impact they're meant to because you inspired them. I'll see you soon.